There's a book and a film called The Boy in the Striped Pajamas where a, a boy of a German a military man, army man, befriends a young Jewish child from a concentration camp on the other side of a fence and neither has any idea about the division, about the World War, about a concentration camp. The young boy thinks his grandparents died of an illness rather than in the camp. And the tr- and he just thinks that the boy's wearing pyjamas, which is the striped uniform that uh, people were made to wear in the concentration camps in World War Two during the Holocaust. And the story is tragic because as a, these boys become a victim of the misunderstanding, as spoiler alert, they both end up in the concentration camp. And then I, I jump from that to another story. In, when I was leaving school, we did a camp where we looked after... Um, disabled children with physical and cognitive disabilities for a couple of days uh, at my old school and when we were in public on an excursion to the aquarium uh, one of the teachers she noticed a moment where one of the young girls obviously we're in a big group a lot of people were looking at us with a lot of um, visibly disabled children and you know you know as as we do maybe not shuddering but being somewhat um, on guard or, or put off a little bit and, and, and staring uncomfortably. And then what this teacher noticed is that there was a little child, though, in a pram being strolled past who saw one of the young girls we were with and looking after and just opened her eyes and opened up her arms uh, to, to kind of embrace and welcome her. And what I reflect on is that young children... Are so enthu- often so enthusiastic about people that they come across randoms and strangers as long as they get the nod of approval from mum. And they're so uh, open. But obviously they're too, they have this beautiful naivety that they don't perceive the barriers we've arbitrarily put on ourselves in the outside world. They don't see uh, Jew and German. They don't see disabled and, and non-disabled, whatever disabled means, by the way. Um, I don't believe in those hard lines. At the best of times, all things are a matter of degree and type. And this, all these things are so arbitrary. These distinctions we have are so arbitrary between people, but the young mind does not perceive them. And there's so much to learn from that young mind that, oh, we, we hold these assumptions, but really there is not much difference between people ever. There's no real barrier. I mean, there are differences of interest, sure, and values, but we're all people. That's what I lo- and what I wanted to explore today was that everyone has the potential to be a friend. And I'm going to argue it very determinedly and make a decent case for that. So you know, one of one of my I talk about him a lot, but one of my good friends, Gilly, I call him, um, where he lives. It blows me away is in the heart of, a, of of Sydney, which is not like a country town at all. But he seems to have gotten country town life in a big city where if we go to a coffee shop with him in the morning, everyone who walks past, he'll wave and recognize and they all kind of know him. And they don't have to stop and take up a big part of his day, but it's just the very lovely thing of seeing all these people wave and acknowledge each other, acknowledge each other and then go about their day. And... There just seems like no downside to that approach to people and being so open and welcoming to all people. 
It doesn't mean taking everyone into your home and giving them a big chunk of your life or even a big chunk of the day. But there's something to be said about hello. And uh, last last year, for those who don't know, there's my good friend Andy Reese who started the Hello Stranger podcast, which is just a beautiful little reminder of that message. And when I went to go be part of the launch, it really taught me that lesson deeper than I've ever kind of known it, which is that well, we stayed with, we stayed as a group of people in an Airbnb in, in Bondi, beachside suburb in Sydney. I stayed there with people I had never met before, but by the end of two days, I felt closer with them than a lot of the people I'd known for decades. And when we ran the retreat for the book, a lot of those people uh, came along and were authors on the book, uh, 18 and Lost, so are we, which should be out soon, which is exciting. And, uh, you know, another guy, Byron there, and Byron, uh, Byron and I are now close friends. He's the great podcast, um, Driven Young, which I've been on. And, you know, he came, he was the first time we met was at the retreat we had. And after a day, essentially, just a little more than a day together, we found so much in common and became great friends straight away. So some of my recent experiences, especially experiences I've had traveling and meeting people, have just taught me that it doesn't take very long to become a really good friend with someone. And to compound on that, one of uh, one of my other great mates from school, uh, he might, and I think he listens. So Jamie, if you're listening, hat tip to you, mate. Um, you know, one of my dearest friends now for sure. And uh, we went to school together for six years and hardly had anything to do with each other. There were like 200 guys that I went to school with in my grades. There's a lot of people, and uh, Jamie and I probably didn't have much to do with one another at school. Ironically, we became mates after school, even though the whole time we were there. And it made me think, that lesson has always made me think, if I if there had just been some random, again, I talk about a lot of our friends come from shared experiences. If there just had been some random crossovers with other different people at school who I don't even talk to now, would, I, would they be my close friends? And would, in fact, other people who are my close friends not even have come to my life is it having that class together or being in that sporting team together or that random moment in time is that really just the trigger for something we can do with most people which is befriend them and i I believe so so that combination of experiences and then reflecting back on that lesson from the boy in striped pajamas uh, and the holiday camp kind of story and the boy in striped pajamas is just this beautiful way of finding that message and showing the arbitrariness and the needlessness, how needless the horror of genocide and racial division and all that are, and how trivial the differences are that we, we exacerbate for complex reasons to do with narcissism and ego that I won't go into here. And so it begs the question, why have those lines between people? Why put the barrier in your mind that the person you walk past on the street or sit next to, or even the person that frustrates you a little bit, can't be something of a companion. Then I have to be your lifelong partner on the journey. But why is there an obstacle in your mind to relating to that person? I guess the dream we all want is what I talk about with my friend Gillies. No matter where you are, having the country town vibe where the kind of everyone knows each other. I guess the detriment is when they know too much of your business and it gets too small, which my friends from country towns lament a little bit. But certainly whatever we can retain from the positive saying hello and acknowledging the people around us and keeping an open mind as to who they could be as a person. I guess the three reasons, uh, three or four reasons I'd go through 
would be one, the thousand doors, right? So I talk about that in every podcast episode and remind you at the end, that the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others. So uh, limiting, limiting your perspective of people and who you can be open to befriending and getting to know a bit better limits the doors, literally. And the best way to open thousand doors, right, is the people. So if you limit the people, you limit the doors that can then be one day open for you. Secondly is when you think about the ripple effect, and that's something I guess Andy Reese was all about with the Hello Stranger uh, movement, I'll call it. And the, you can check out the podcast too. Is that imagine if people were very country town-esque to one another more often. What's the ripple effect of that? I mean, when you're having a bad day and someone smiles at you or lets you in a lane on the road versus when they cut you off and when they don't smile at you or they snarl at you, or if you say hello to someone, they shrug you off and just keep going. And think about how that can build a case for a day in one way or another. The world's against me versus the world is a beautiful place. And more smiles would probably solve a lot of our key challenges as, as a society. The open mind is important. And I'm not just talking about open mind about the generic keep an open mind to people, but I think looking at people this way that all of them could potentially be a lifelong best friend if you if you just happen to have enough crossover keeps your mind open to the world so much more i think it would even keep your mind open to opportunity because of the thousand doors principle and because of the i guess the energy you'd reverberate and uh and the fourth reason i'd go through is just what's the downside what's the downside what I've noticed is that the people that have the stiffest barriers to befriending other people seem to have a lot of the most uh, built-up insecurity or very close-minded and restrictive and dangerous beliefs. If you come back to something like social identity theory, which is worth reading into, you look at how arbitrary the lines between groups are. One study, it's Henry Tajfil, you know, one study it was based on people guessing amount of coins are put in groups and they are counting dots, sorry, and then they would discriminate and give more money to people who counted dots like they did versus people who counted dots in a different way, which comes back to the whole boy in the striped pajamas um, principle, which is group identification is so arbitrary. The, the popular theories are that because it gives us this identity and the whole Astro the dog idea about we're wired to kind of does seek a bit of status. And so, belonging to a powerful group that's better than everyone else, which is stacked above them in the hierarchy, gives us gives us that status. It's all perceptual, obviously, as with most things. It doesn't really exist. Oh, but obviously the, the imagination that exists is very powerful. It leads to a lot of the problems we have. And they, And wow, the barriers are so deep, we could obviously keep talking about that. But I guess one of the key uh, lessons, so this famous book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and even though the title seems very, like it's very manipulative and persuasive, the book actually has a beautiful message, which to me just boils down to be interested in people. You know, you're genuinely interested in people. They, they, you give them more permission to be interested in you and interested in helping you and interested in moving you along your journey. Be interested in people, like whatever, whoever they are, whatever walk of life they come from. You're certainly never better than anyone else. 
So being interested in what makes them tick, what they think about things. And there's an interesting conversation to be had with every person. And this is not, and people listening to this might think, uh, Joe, you're probably not giving much of your time and energy at the moment. And this is very different, I think, to protecting your time. To me, this is being open. So this doesn't mean we talked in the last episode as a precursor about being a people pleaser. This is not being a people pleaser. This is not just throwing your time around uh, to, to everyone who kind of asks for it and puts their hand up. It's very different. This is about being an open mind and not perceiving barriers between you and other people. I go sit at a cafe to work. I go there and I do my work. I'm not the person who actually goes, says hi to 10 people there necessarily. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But it's certainly not a barrier between me and other people and the way I look around. And just because I've learned from some of the experiences and stories I've, I've shared today, how divisive and counterintuitive that can be. So I guess what I'm saying is, don't close the door to other people. Leave that door open, which leaves important doors open in your mind. All right, well, that's that's everything uh, for today. So you can reflect, your daily reflection can be thinking about that principle where you sit on it, whether you agree, disagree, or how you could apply it rather, and what barriers you might see between people. Is it a rival football team? Is it people who work for a different company? Is it people from a different racial background, right? Uh, what is it? What are the barriers and lines you see between people? And how do they limit you? And what's possible? But yeah, obviously, this is a daily podcast. Sorry for touching there. A bit of background noise there. But we'll be back tomorrow. So I hope you can join us then. And in the meantime, quite obviously, you're very much befitting this episode. Remember that the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others. I'll see you again tomorrow.